listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, Beck. Today's show is about... Unheels. <laughs> Unheels. Not anthills. The Unheels. The angels. Yes. January seems to be the month that a lot of people are leaving and transitioning. Some of our guests have lost people in January. And grieving the loss of her son, Christina Tracy, if you remember that episode, she just lost her mother. And so we want to send out our love and prayers to her. Rachel Sweeting, another guest on our show, lost her mother as well. As well as our guest Vivian, she just lost family members in South Africa. And most recently, my cousin Andrea just lost her son. So we just want to send our love and our condolences to all our guests and listeners who've lost a loved one and who are struggling with grief during this time. You know, our podcast is called To the Spirit for a reason. Not only did the spirits help to name this show, but it's a nod to them as well. And so my hope is that our dear listeners take a moment to think about those who you've lost and send your thoughts and prayers to them when you can. Because Steph and I learned that spirits need those thoughts and prayers as much as we do. It's as if we are performing miracles for them from this side of the veil by doing so. I think that, you know, we're all connected. They're with us. They're waiting for responses and our prayers. Some need prayers to move forward. Some are already in heaven, but they're always around us and they're probably communicating with us like all the time. But it seems that our life on earth is, is like you said, we're in a veil. Yeah. I think that every show we do when we speak about these things, it puts out that love and that connection between us here on the 3D plane and those we've lost. And I think this ties in with angels in a way, because we do have guardian angels, right? Yeah. And they're around us all the time. Yes. And I think a lot of us forget to say, hey, thanks for being there. Thanks for saving my ass. I know. I feel like I, I, I know of a few instances myself where I feel like I had that type of intervention. But I'm sure that there's a lot more that we don't know. And that when we get to have like, wow, that an angel caused this or an angel caused that. Maybe to put us on the right path, especially because we have a free will. You know, they can't interfere too much. They have to watch us do all these crazy things. That's true. <laughs> I bet you mine are like on edge smoking cigarettes. <laughs> well, we do know that angels are non-denominational. Some people think that angels are tied into religion. But all religions know of angels and speak of angels in their texts. I think that they've been revealing themselves to people from the beginning. From the beginning. And so people, I think, uh, intuitively know this. I know there's an instant where there's a woman, her name is St. Mary of Agreda, Spain, and she actually was a, she was a mystic, and she was, she bilocated to, she was from Spain, bilocated to, like, South America, to a tribe. Mm -hmm. And they never saw anything like her. She's, like, fully dressed religious person, like a nun. She had met this tribal woman... And she goes, are you an angel? Mm. And St. Mary of Agreda said back to her, how do you know what an angel is? But she knew. I think people know in a way. An angel is a supernatural being in various religions. The theological study of angels is known as angelology. Am I saying that right? Angelology? So. Yeah. 
Abrahamic religions often depict them as benevolent celestial intermediaries between God or heaven and humanity. Other roles include protectors and guides for humans and servants of God. The angelic realm has different kinds of angels. I knew of all, you know, the choirs of angels. Oh, I've you did? never Yes. I, I've always known about it since, you know, I've practiced my faith, but I've never like really read about each individual, like what they do. Right. You know, why they're titled this way and what they look like, because I knew that the seraphs were serpent-like. I've heard that, but I didn't really get into it. And they're also looked at as like a flame, you know, so they this have a lot of This is the seraphim? The seraphim, yeah. Okay. I just find that very fascinating that in a Christian culture, which really tries to be so ordinary, I think, in, in so many ways, and not get involved in the weirdness of things, it's a really weird, it is weird. thing to read about. And I was like blown away by this. I'm like, wow, another strange thing that it seems I think Christians try to ignore. Well, can you tell reality. us the difference between a seraphim, a cherubim, archangels and fallen angels? Do you happen to know that? I mean, we can go down the... Let's go down it then. The angels are organized into three hierarchies and nine choirs. And each hierarchy contains three choirs. The hierarchies do not have cool names, but the nine choirs do. So the first hierarchy is the seraphim, the cherubim, and the thrones. What do you know about that stuff? Okay, so the seraphim literally translated burning ones. The word seraph is normally a synonym (laughs) for serpents when used in the Hebrew Bible. And uh, mentioned in Isaiah, seraphim are the highest angelic class, and they serve as the caretakers of God's throne. And continuously shout praises, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That verse right there is read in in the mass. Now, what is a cherubim? Well, this is where it gets weird. (laughs) Cherubim, because a lot of people think cherubs are those little like babies. Those are called something else like putti or something like that. But cherubim have four faces. One of a man, an ox, a lion, and an eagle. Now, later... With the New Testament, those are the symbols of the four evangelists that the church picked for them. They have four conjoined wings covered with eyes. So imagine a bunch of wings with eyes all over it. Okay, this is already starting to sound like a Evil Dead movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they also um, said in Revelation, appears to describe them with six wings like the seraphim, a lion's body and feet of an oxen. Cherubim guard the way to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. So that's like, I guess that's who Adam and Eve had to uh, get banished from. Horrifying creature <laughs> with like different faces and a million wings. And and yeah, they also guard the throne of God. I'm like, does God really need guards? <laughs> Obviously. He's got his, his <laughs> right <this> hand. Entourage. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of God, but I mean, I'm just trying to make light of it because it's just so hard to well, like fathom all of this. Because you think about walking up to God, right? Imagine yeah. it like you're in a castle. It's like Game of Thrones style. You're walking up. He's got these scary cherubims around him. I know, with foreheads and be like, six wings and eyes happening? on their wings. The, the cherubim are also mentioned in Genesis, Exodus, Chronicles. So they're mentioned all over the Bible, basically. And modern English usage has blurred the distinction between cherubim and puti. Puti are often wingless, sometimes winged, human baby toddler-like beings. <laughs> Sounds no, like an Italian word. It does, like puti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the thrones, it's a Greek word called 
Trono, I think that's how you pronounce it, or elders, they're called elders, are a class of celestial beings mentioned by Paul the Apostles in Colossians. They are living symbols of God's justice and authority and have as one of their symbols the throne. It's not unusual to find that the thrones are associated by some with the Ophanim or Irelim from the Jewish angelic hierarchy. The idea that they are separate or one and the same is debated. Galgalim refer to the wheels seen in Ezekiel's vision of the chariot in Ezekiel. One of the Dead Sea Scrolls construes them as angels. Late sections of the Book of Enoch portray them as a class of celestial beings who never sleep. I didn't think angels slept anyways, yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they guard the throne of God. And the Ophanim, wheels from the vision of Daniel, are unusual looking. Compared with the other celestial beings, they are closely connected with the cherubim. When they moved, the others moved. When they stopped, the others stopped. And when they rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures, the cherubim, were in the wheels. Which raises the question of if they are angels at all or controlled by the cherubim. So is it a vehicle of the cherubim is what the, it's what it's saying. That is so creepy. It is now creepy. And feel... when I read this, I'm like, oh, my God, I've heard people reference the Ezekiel thing. And they, they say aliens and I say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And now I read it and I'm like, <laughs> holy crap around Sounds me. like a sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> Can we jump into the second hierarchy? Yeah. And I know nothing. So you're actually giving me and the audience, I'm sure some of them, do not know as well. So what is a dominion? Because that would be number four in the second hierarchy. Okay. It's translated from the Greek term kyriotetes. Kyriotes? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know Greek. Kyriotetes. I, I can pronounce some way. <laughs> But it means uh, lordships. In fact, another thing in the Catholic masses, we say kirioleison, and it means Lord have mercy. So the word Lord is that kirio, lordships. Okay. Okay. So and or it's called dominions are presented as a hierarchy of celestial beings, lordships. In some English translations of the De Celesti Hierarchiae, the dominations regulate the duties of lower angels. So they're like the bosses. Of the lower angels. Oh, nice. So they're the managers. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. It is only with extreme rarity that the angelic lords make themselves physically known to humans. The dominations are believed to look like divinely beautiful humans with a pair of feathered wings, much like the common representation of angels. But they may be distinguished from other groups by wielding orbs of light fastened to the heads of their scepters or on the pommel of their sword. So they, maybe they're the one, when we see orbs, maybe. <laughs> maybe that that's the uh, dominions. The dominions. Which are like the CEOs. Yeah, they. Of the company. They're looking down. You don't get to see them. You have to go through the assistant manager to the manager to yeah. the CEO. You know, one of the times in the Philippines when Emma was having her, she's got like two visions that she has every year. The Virgin Mary comes. A lot of the people in the crowd. I wish I was there when it happened, but I wasn't there. Witnessed angels, mm. a lot of them. And they said they were throwing balls of light and they were hitting the trees. Then the trees had all this coat of that glitter That's all awesome. over it. And that was a huge event. I mean, I wish I was there for that I do one. too, because it sounds like a giant angel snowball fight in the yeah. sky. <laughs> and everything that they hit turned to glitter. Yeah, they talk about, I think, in the video that we made a documentary about Emma. 
It's out there on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. Emma de Guzman. So who are the virtues, which is number five in the second hierarchy? These angels are those through which signs and miracles are made in the world. This is what I think we have to pray to for our healings. (laughs) Okay. The term appears to be linked to the attribute might from the Greek root dynamis. In Ephesians, which is also translated as virtue or power. There's a really good whiskey called Powers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go into Powers. That sounds interesting because that sounds like maybe we'd want to be a power. I don't know. I know. I have to hear the role first. Um, The other word for the powers is the authorities. They are angels whose primary duty is to supervise the movements of the heavenly bodies. Oh, these are the ones that control the planets the stars to ensure that the cosmos remains in order i find this one fascinating like maybe there's a giant angel like spinning all the planets yeah (laughs) being warrior angels they also oppose evil spirits especially those that make use of the matter in the universe matter matter (laughs) not matter i didn't want to say it like a syracuse matter well i mean matter sounds a little weird (laughs) matter isn't you know matters and scientific matter i think you you say matter matter (laughs) (laughs) and often cast evil spirits to places of detention that's cool yeah these angels are usually represented as soldiers wearing full armor and helmet and also having defensive and offensive weapons such as shields and spears or chains respectively okay so you're saying offensive instead of offensive (laughs) it's i don't know how to say things (laughs) Let's get into the third hierarchy. Third sphere. And we're talking number seven, which is prince. Now, remember, guys, these are angels that we're talking about. And this is a hierarchy. So principalities. Yep. Or they're called rulers or princedoms. That's another word for it. They're the angels that guide and protect nations or groups of peoples and institutions such as the church. The principalities preside over the bands of angels and charge them with fulfilling the divine ministry. There are some who administer and some who assist. The principalities are shown wearing a crown and carrying a scepter. Their duty also is said to carry out the orders given to them by the upper sphere of angels and bequeath blessings to the material world. Their task is to oversee groups of people. They are the educators and guardians of the realm of earth, like beings related to the world of the germinal ideas. They are said to inspire living things to many things, such as art or science. Okay. I find this fascinating, too, that, I mean, I had always heard in my religious life or whatever that there's angels that are assigned to a country. Um, I didn't know that. And probably to each city. Probably, I don't think Syracuse has any. No, we got no <laughs> angels here. <laughs> I think he left. He gave up a long time ago. Well, the next two in the hierarchy, I think most people are familiar with archangels and angels well i think angels isn't like our guardian angels are assigned to us right you know and they seem to be um like a personal protector yeah i think archangels help us too but they're higher on that they're higher i think that they're the ones that take on the big problems like satan his minions or whatever you know they're combating many people call the archangels in for things like lawsuit cases or healings of some sort. Mm-hmm. St. Raphael is the archangel. 
That's the one that you pray to. I do for health, and and he he's come through. He's my homeboy. Um, I've prayed a lot to Saint Michael the Archangel. I think he's the most well known. He's the warrior angel. Yeah, even my middle name is Michelle, so I I've adopted him as my patron saint in a way. Not that my parents had that intention, but there's a lot of Michaels in our family. We seem to keep on carrying that name for some reason. I don't think it's intentional. And I really do have a devotion to him. I pray to him a lot. Yeah. And I don't even know why I say him because they're not really males or females. They're no. just looked at as um, they, male or Yeah, they, they're depicted that way. Depicted, yeah. Yeah. And you do think of them in a male-female way, but I think that's just the human condition. Yeah. So when they appear on Earth, angels may be in either human or heavenly form. And they may visit in disguise, looking just like human beings. Or they may appear as if they've been popularly depicted in art as creatures with human faces and powerful wings, often shining with light from within. They guard people. Mm -hmm. They're assigned to keep us from danger. Stories about angels rescuing people facing perilous situations are popular in our culture. Some people from religious traditions like Catholicism believe that everyone has a guardian angel divinely assigned to them for their entire earthly lifetime. I believe that. Yeah, I think everyone has one or even more. Some have more, I would guess. I, I don't know. I personally think we just have one and then we have a team of spirits that are with us. I think that's. I think we have a lot more going on than... I think we're all guaranteed one. We're guaranteed <laughs> one. But, but there could be more. Could be. I, I mean, I have heard stories of... Actually, I have a story. Okay. So I got into this book about angels at one point in my life. And it just so happened the timing was coinciding with me traveling across the country with my mother. And I was learning about these angels. There's thousands upon thousands of angels. And you can call upon these angels to help you with things. It's interesting. You can't demand of them, but you can ask them. So you can say, can I have a parking angel help me find a parking spot? And bam, You'd be surprised at how many times that works. Or can I have a shopping angel help me to pick out the perfect back brace? I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm winging it here. <laughs> the perfect back brace? Okay, the perfect... <laughs> <laughs> the perfect back support, let's say, for like a car. I don't know. That was very random, wasn't it? That was pretty random. Okay, can I have a shopping angel that can help me pick out the perfect tablecloth? could be for anything. Why wouldn't, you know. Yeah. And, and help them have you pick out a bra. Yeah. Right. Know. And then that shopping angel comes in. Bam. All of a sudden there's this perfect bra hanging on the rack. And you're like, wow, I would have overlooked that. But it's hanging right in front of my face. So my mother and I were calling upon these angels the whole road trip. We were taking 1500 miles from New York to the West Coast. And as we were driving, we were calling upon our angels left and right. And as we called upon them, things were just magically happening. Like we were finding rock star parking spots or finding a place to eat or a place to sleep for the night that wasn't sketchy. You know, it would mm -hmm. just divinely be just there. Throughout the trip, I kept having to stop and put air in one of my tires on my van. <laughs> and my mother was getting a little worried, like, oh, maybe we should have that checked out. And I said, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I just had it checked out before we left. Everything's good. Needless to say, I kept pulling off, putting air in the tire. Now we're going 80, 90 miles an hour through the Midwest. Sheer rock cliffs <laughs> through Utah. I mean, we're going outside of mountains at high speeds. And we make it all the way back home. My tire decides to finally give. So I bring it in to see if we can plug the hole. And the 
mechanic says to me, you need to come in and see this. And I went in and looked and he showed me a plug. I had been driving across the country and back with a plug in the tire that was coming out of the tire. Like it was almost out. All it would have taken was one good jolt. And that tire would have blown and we would have probably flew off the side of a mountain. But I honestly think from saying prayers and asking for the angels to guide us and protect us along the journey, it saved our asses. And there were like cool things happening in between. Like it would be a blue sky and all of a sudden this cloud would appear and in, in a perfect shape of a whale. You know, just strange but wonderful things. That's my angel story. What about you, Steph? That's very amazing. things that have happened but the most recent one was only a few years ago and uh, I was really down I was really struggling with my faith about things and then I came across on YouTube it was it who's the angel woman from Ireland it's like is, is it, it Lorna something Lorna or Gabrielle or something I like don't that? Know, she she's really she's got such a peaceful voice I was really into listening to her because she had such a soothing voice I was really trying to catch a spark of faith or something so I was listening to her for a good two weeks like every day I'd find something that she was doing on YouTube Lorna Byrne Lorna Byrne that's right so what happened was uh, I had just gotten a new car well a new used car I had the tires that came with it and what I didn't know is that they were actually pretty bad I didn't I mean it passed inspection but I think that they were down to like uh nothing you know right by the time I was using it it just they were bad. And I didn't realize it. Before I get into that, I wanted a sign. And she had talked about in one of her videos getting a feather as a sign. Yeah. And this has happened to some of my friends before. Very miraculously, these feathers came. One of my friends found a feather in her freezer. Like, where did this come from? And it was the most unusual looking feather I'd ever seen. So I, I believed in this. I thought, all right, I need a sign. So I was going into go shopping I put my groceries in the back seat, and there was a feather in my car on the floor. And this is probably the day after I wanted my sign. I was like, where the heck did this come from? Couldn't figure it out. It looked like an ordinary, but it was white. It looked like an ordinary feather. It was maybe four inches long. I'm thinking, no one sits in my back seat because I don't rarely have anyone in my car. Like, how did this get back there? And so I looked at it as an answer you to, know, prayer. to my prayer. But yeah. then, like the next day, or it was sometime that week, with the ball tires on my car, I was coming back from one of the karate classes I was doing. So it was about 9.30 at night. It was previously raining earlier, so the roads were damp, but it wasn't like it was bad. There's all this construction going on, um, 690. 
So what happened while I was driving is that there was kind of like an illusion from all the wetness on the ground and all of the cars that were building up ahead. It looked like they were farther away than they were to me with all the red like brake lights on. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was upon me. I was going the speed limit. Oh, man. It was right there, and there was all this construction to my right. And you had ball tires. And I had ball tires. So when I pressed the brake, I started sliding. I could see myself. I mean, I was going right into the car in front of me. And so I turned my wheel, and miraculously, it moved. I thought I was just going to skid right into, like, you know, slide right into those cars. I ended up in the construction zone on, like, gravelly. You know, all the, the stuff was torn up, so it was, like, really rough road. And luckily, there was no one working at the time. It was just coned off. Wow. And it felt like I was doing stunt driving. It was crazy. And then after I was able to stabilize the car, I got back on the highway. And I was so shaken, I cannot tell you, that shook me up a lot. Because I knew how close I was to crashing. And it didn't happen. And I just got in that feather. And I was going, you know, to me, it all seemed like that was my angel. Yeah. I can't really... Prove or disprove Pro- it. Prove or dis- yeah, prove or disprove, but... It's something you know in your heart. And I would, was praying a lot to my angels during that time, too. And, and to this day, every day I pray to my angels, especially when I do any type of driving. So that's my story. I have, I have another one from my dad, which I think is kind of funny. He had a priest friend of his that Becky's met before. His name was Father Regis. He was actually the exorcist priest of our diocese. Mm-hmm. He used to go into my dad's work during lunchtime and do like a prayer group with everybody that wanted to come. It was his birthday, one of the days they showed up, and everyone before you know he came had put money together to get him a gift. So they bought him a statue of an eagle. I guess it was really beautiful. So Father Regis was, you know, super, super thrilled. That's just so random to buy a statue of an eagle. Was there... Because <laughs> he loved eagles. Oh, okay, okay, that no, makes no, sense. Yeah, no, he loved eagles. Okay. And, um, Did you say that before and I missed it? I think, yeah, I think I okay. said that. Okay, sorry. So... When Father Regis left and he was on, my dad went on his break. And at the time where he worked, it was in the basement of a mall. It was actually a a, uh, news, I don't know what you call that. Studio? Yeah, news studio. And it used to be, it was temporarily using the basement of the mall so that before they moved into their main building. And so um, you could smoke in the mall at the time. (laughs) My dad's a smoker or was a smoker. And so he goes out into the mall to light up a cigarette and he used a Zippo lighter that you had to put flint in. And when he went to light a cigarette, it needed flint. So he gets his flint out, and they're really tiny. I don't know if anyone's had to deal with those, and stick it in the Zippo lighter, and he dropped it on the ground. Now, flint is gray color. The rug was gray color, and my dad's like, this is my last flint. And you know how smokers are. They freak out yeah, <laughs> when man. they don't have their cigarette. So he's looking on the ground for the flint, and all of a sudden he said a hand came over his shoulder, like literally, like right over his shoulder, he says, "Here you go." He goes, "I have eyes like an eagle," and he's like, "Wow, thanks." He grabs it and he said, "He turned around and there was nobody there." So his angel was condoning Her, smoking. Yes, that's what he. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's what my dad believed. He never attempted to quit. <laughs> his angel was like, "You know what? He's a lost cause. Let's just give him the flint. <laughs> give him the fire." <laughs> we all know smoking is like it quells the spirits. It's a natural smudge effect. The next thing I want to talk about is um, St. Michael the Archangel. There's a places in Europe that are dedicated to St. Michael the Archangel. I'll speak of where they are in just a moment. One of the ones that I had gone to myself 
is in Italy. It's in uh, southern Italy, and I think it's in Puglia. They call it St. Michael's Cave. I guess that's the English way of saying it. It was in the year 490, so this is a long time ago. Beginning of Christianity, in a way, only a few hundred years old. But a nobleman in a small village lost his best bull in his herd. He went searching for him and found the bull kneeling in a deserted cave. The cave was inaccessible, and so in order to scare the bull out of the cave, he shot an arrow. But instead of the arrow doing what he wanted it to do, it actually came back at him. <laughs> Almost like, I don't know, you know if it was like... A, a boomerang. <laughs> yeah, he says it, and he thought it was so unusual, he told his local bishop. And so the bishop, uncertain of whether this was divine origin or not, ordered three days of prayer and fasting. And St. Michael then appeared to the bishop, and after that, the bishop still had doubts of what happened to him thought maybe he dreamed it or something. A few years after his vision of St. Michael, there was a threat to the diocese that it was being annihilated by pagans, which there's a lot of you know non-Christians uh, around at that time because Christianity wasn't huge. And it said, St. Michael again appeared to the bishop and promised that the city would be spared if the townspeople would attack the enemy in faith, and it was spared. So they had probably a battle. And even after that, the bishop had doubts and still did not have a church built on the site of the cave, but it was constantly on his mind. So following a year of the anniversary of the apparition approached, he appealed to the Pope for guidance. The Pope ordered the bishop, along with other bishops and priests, to go to the cave for three days of prayer and fasting. Not wishing to go into the cave, the bishop prayed at the entrance, and then on the third day, St. Michael appeared again. And St. Michael said to him, I am Michael the archangel, and I am always in the presence of God. I chose the cave as sacred to me. There will be no more shedding of bull's blood. So they must have been doing sacrifices in there or something. Uh, where the rocks open widely, the sins of men may be pardoned. What is asked here in prayer will be granted. Therefore, go up to the mountain cave and dedicate it to the Christian God. So he ordered the bishop to enter the cave, telling him that it was not necessary for him to consecrate the cave since St. Michael had already done it. So that's kind of amazing in itself because each bishop, when they build the church, they have to dedicate it to God. That's consecration. They're saying you don't even have to do that because St. Michael already, just by his presence, made it a holy place. So I got to visit this place. It's way up high in the mountains. Everything is whitewashed. It's almost like Greek island. You have to go down these beautiful steps. It's very unique looking. And it was run by a religious order that were from Poland. And they were very strict. If you even made any type of noise in there, they'd tell you to be quiet. Like librarians? <laughs> yeah. I, I think they looked at it as this is a very, very unusual place. Very, It still had its natural form in there. There's just some aspects of it that look like a church. I thought it was a really cool place. I was very, I felt really lucky to get to go. So the unique thing about this, which I found out just not too long ago, is that there's these places just like that one, very similar in some way, dedicated to St. Michael the Archangel. And they form a line. It forms from Ireland. There's Skellig Michael in Ireland, St. Michael's Mount in England, Mont Saint-Michel mm -hmm. in France, Sacro di San Michele in Italy. Sanctuary of Monte Sant'Angelo, Italy, another one. And uh, Panormites Monastery in Simi, Greece. Stella Maris Monastery, Mount Carmel, Israel. So it goes all the way to Israel. Um, Was this done on purpose? I don't think so, but I'm going to show you an image. You can. It's called St. Michael's Sword because it's almost like if someone took their sword and... Swiped it? Swiped. They're all lined up like that. Oh, you see that? interesting, yeah. 
So when you look at the map of it, it's a straight line from the United Kingdom all the way to um, Israel. So I don't think they could have planned it that way. These are all done at different times. And, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of their masons or whatever they are. They have those like secrets that they keep building those buildings. You know, it could have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it was done on purpose. Or if I, it was just a strange... I think it's just a weird phenomenon. They just, people have called it St. Michael's sword because it looks like someone cut a straight line, you know, mm-hmm. with a sword. And they're all dedicated to him. They all form this straight line. They're like perfectly lined up. So I think that's kind of neat, though, that that exists. What do you think about angels in space? Angels in space? A lot of people think that uh, UFOs and angels are connected. There's uh, sightings. It's so hard. Like, I don't know what aliens are... Or aren't. I mean, I've never really had a a true alien experience. You know, I know a lot of Christians want to claim that the fallen angels are what these alien experiences are. I know that some people have positive experiences with their alien experiences. (laughs) So, Well, they say that angels and heavenly figures encountered in the Bible might have actually been extraterrestrials. Yeah, I mean, they could be one and the same. I mean, I can't definitively... You think about... When we were talking about the, the weird, wheels. yeah, all that stuff. It does. It sounds like it. You know, I have a story about this. Okay. It was a Saturday morning in Mariposa, California, and Lewis had to work that day. The air was fresh from a cool rain the night before, and the morning sky was bright with a few scattered clouds. I was heading out to my car in the back parking lot of the apartment complex where I lived when I noticed someone kneeling next to my car. This person saw me and quickly stood up holding a crowbar. The young man was quite obviously startled by Lewis's interruption, and although Lewis sensed the boy was up to no good, it hadn't yet hit him what he was doing. Then Lewis looked through the passenger window of his car and saw that the steering wheel column had been stripped of its cover. He realized that this young man was trying to steal his car. I asked him what in the hell he was doing. He gave me a lame story about his friend's car being stolen last night and that my car looked like his friend's and so on. I didn't want to hear it. I told him I was going to call the police which I did on my cell phone. Lewis dialed 911 and gave the dispatcher the address. He told the would-be thief that the police were on their way and warned him not to leave. The boy said he would wait for the police, but Lewis could tell he was waiting for the right moment to make a run for it. And if he did, I wasn't going to try to stop him because adrenaline was pumping and he had that crowbar, Lewis says. As Lewis was grilling the young man, trying to detain him, he began to notice three rather large clouds in a single file formation that were almost overhead. Then I saw it, he says, a shiny object exiting from the first cloud and entering the next. And then coming out of that one was a shiny, brightly polished chrome, and it was moving at a good speed. I couldn't make out the shape. By this time, Lewis was so distracted by the UFO that the punk saw his chance and took off. And that's when the object entered the last cloud. From there, it was nothing but open sky. When it emerged, my life changed, Lewis says. There, against the richness of the blue sky, was a silvery shape that seemed to have arms and legs. It was so beautiful to look at. At the same time, it had the appearance of metal. It looked like some kind of ship with a strange design. The best way I could describe it looked as silverware in the design of the stickman children draw. It was huge, moving fast, and made no noise. As it sailed overhead, some of the limbs would move up and down, giving the impression of being alive, a living entity. It made a couple of rolls, reflecting the sun in every direction. Beautiful, just beautiful, my God, beautiful. As it started to fade away from my view, I found myself short of breath, and with tears running down my cheeks, it had that much of an effect on me. I began thinking, 
maybe that's what an angel looks like. Maybe not. Hmm. I've never heard of anything like that of you. No. I'd like to know what happened to that guy that took off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was waiting for like the story to go, oh, and then the uh, UFO angel came down and swooped and grabbed him and lifted him up in a beam of light. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I discovered years ago, I found a book in the library of the convent I was in, and it was called The Little... Little... The, Why are you saying I words don't know. so weird today? Little. <laughs> the little... The, the little... The... The, li- the little Arab. Oh, please, angels, help me. <laughs> the, li- <laughs> the little. Mary had a little lamb. It seems like I can't say it any other way now. She's called the little Arab. And she's, her name's St. Miriam of, where's she from? Well, she was born in uh, Jerusalem or Palestine. Like 1840s, she was born. Her mother had miscarriage after miscarriage and they were desperate, so they made a pilgrimage. They walked like a hundred and something kilometers. I say kilometers because that's what they use in the story, but it's got to be a hundred and something miles as well because that's almost the same. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you weird <laughs> did they, details. Did they buy a loaf of bread on the way, or <laughs> I'm sure they milk well, stick of butter, <laughs> cotton and milk <laughs> stick of butter. So they made this pilgrimage to a holy site because they lived in you know the Holy Land. So they had a, a lot of places they could go to. And they asked the Blessed Mother, if you help me have a child, if it, if it's a girl, I'll name her after you, and I'll, I'll dedicate her to you. So that's exactly what happened. They had a miracle. And then after that, she had a son. So it was another miracle, except the parents died. It's, it's unspecified what they died from. They were both sick, and one died first, the other next. And they were orphaned at, like, she was two years old. Her brother must have been a baby. One sibling went to another family member. She went to another. She was a very mystical child from the beginning, and it could be because her mother had this miracle of having her after like 12 miscarriages or something. Uh, So what happened was, out of a series of miracles, you really have to read about her. She's so unique. But she ends up becoming a nun later on through having really a lot of mystical but also hardships in life. And at one point, one of her mystical experiences was being possessed. Now, everyone has heard of being possessed by the devil, someone having an unclean spirit that they have to go to a priest. She was possessed by her angel and she would do unbelievable feats (laughs) like levitations and flying. And and this might sound scary to people. Like I never heard of this actually startled me when I read this because it sounds fantastical. It does. But except this is a modern saint in a way she's not. What's the time frame? She was born in the 1840s. So it's not that long ago. My own grandfather. I mean, this should be impossible for my age, but. My dad's father was born in the 1880s. That's my grandfather. I never got to meet him because he died before I was born. That would be uh, your great-grandfather. No, then. my grandfather, my dad's father. Well, your dad would be like 100 now, wouldn't he? Well, my dad my dad would be almost 90. He'd be 90 this year, I think, somewhere in there. But his father was old. Okay. So it's not like he had a young dad, you know. I'm saying it's not that long ago. <laughs> and that it's that I know. It, is, it is though but it, but it, to me it doesn't seem like it. it's like if i can have a grandfather with a born that long ago but i'm saying it's more modern they had photography but they had certain things that are modern did they catch her flying around on photography <laughs> i wish that they did well she lived in a monastery and they you know these are people are basing their lives off of truth they don't want attention in fact one of the monasteries she lived in were so torn because of her gifts that half the monastery couldn't stand her and the other half loved her 
So it was a lot of pain and suffering for her. She could fly basically, you know, like, and they verified this. So it's, it's really, it's only by an account, you know, obviously there is no one in, in her life that could really document it that way. I wish there was. You know, it sucks. It just sucks. Because now people could whip out their cell phones <laughs> and be like, this chick is flying around. But back then, we had nothing to document. So it was all like word of mouth. Like, oh, she was flying around, <laughs> flying up into the trees. Well, you know, it takes a lot of faith to believe in that stuff. We have all these wonderful stories. We have... All sorts of angels, they guard people, they record deeds. You know, some people believe that they actually record everything that happens in the universe. And then we have the rankings. We have the horrifying angels in the Bible. We've got the possibility that they could be extraterrestrial or at least depicted as people thinking they're extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. I think we covered it all. I think so. It's an unusual subject. It's hard. I mean, okay, maybe we didn't cover it all because (laughs) there's a lot to cover. But for our little female minds, we did pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone has an angel story, email us your angel story. Maybe we can feature it on one of our next podcasts. I've actually been collecting emails and stories to share. And we have been receiving emails, which is wonderful. If you happen to know somebody that you think should be on the show, or if you think you should be on the show, shoot us an email. It is to the spiritpod at gmail.com. If you could continue to support us, we'd appreciate that. And you can support us by going to our content on Apple Podcasts and giving it a five-star rating or leaving us a review. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you can't find us on the po- You should be able to find us everywhere, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we thank our listeners. And we actually have had a few more countries come in to play. So hello, Iceland. <laughs> Who we else? should know how to say hello in Icelandic, but... Uh, we had uh, Philippines. Hello to Philippines. The Philippines. I've been to the Philippines. Hello to Bolivia. And who else was new? We had somebody brand new that just popped in. Was it... Um... Was it Nigeria? And hello to Nigeria. <laughs> that makes 19 countries we're up to stuff that's really cool that's really it's very cool. humbling too because i never would think anyone would listen to me at all you know maybe yeah. listen to becky oh no <laughs> no it takes two to make a thing go right it takes two to make it out of sight <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to our listeners and thanks for your support and until next time i'm back and this is steph angels are always among us to the spirit podcast Supernatural science. Alien. I'm ghost. 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 I'm gh